Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Spirit of reverence, if you guys would bow your head, close your eyes with me. We're going to just go ahead and jump right into our word tonight. So, Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Man, that's such a powerful song. Thank you, God, that you are a good Father. Thank you that you are perfect, God, even when we're imperfect. God, thank you that you're good even when we're not. You are the only stable thing that this world will ever have, God. And we are grateful to you, God, for who you are. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love that endures forever and ever. If anything that this world needs more of right now, it's love. And God, you don't have love. You are love. I still don't understand that. That's how great you are. I don't understand how you don't have a thing. You are the epitome of what love is. Everything about you, God, is love. And God, I thank you that we are able to partake in that love. God, I thank you that you shower us with that love. Even though many times your love is misunderstood, God, there's no misunderstanding. You love us with a fervent, with a bold, with an unconditional, unwavering love. And God, we thank you. Thank you for that love tonight. God, I ask that you would open up our hearts to receive your love tonight. Open up our hearts to receive your word, God. Every single time we walk in those doors, God, I pray that your word pierces our hearts, pierces our souls, God. That we walk out of those doors forever changed, God, being molded and shaped more into your likeness and into your image. God, that one day we may be with you. We may enter into the Lord's Supper and sit beside you and fellowship with you. Change us, God. Change our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our souls. We open up ourselves to you tonight, Lord. Remove any barrier that might hinder us, God from receiving the truth of your word tonight. Remove lies and fear. Remove any pretense, anything that we might assume, God, remove it and open us up to the simplicity of who you are. God, we break any attack of the enemy that may have tried to hit us up today or during the last week. We break any lies, any insecurities. We break them right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we release your Holy Spirit. We release your Holy Spirit and your gifts. We release love, power, and a sound mind. We release your grace, your grace, which is your power. Your grace, that is your power that you give to us to overcome. We release it right now in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' mighty name. I want everybody to just take a minute. Just take a minute. I want you to take a deep breath when I count on three. And I just want you to just release any stress that's in your body, anything that's in your mind that you're holding on to. If you came in here tonight and you've tried to have enough faith just to make it through the night tonight and say, oh, I'm here. Uh -uh. I want you to release all of that tonight. And tonight you get to sit in the presence of the Lord and you get to sit and let him minister to you. You don't, you don't need to work. He doesn't need your help. He just wants you to be available tonight. So when I count to three, anything that's bothering you, I want you to just take a deep breath, let it out, and just release it all to God and say, God, I trust you. I'm here with you, and I trust you. On three. One. Two. Three. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We're here to be with you tonight. We're here to be revived, to be renewed, to be restored. We're here with you tonight, Lord. We welcome your presence in here. We welcome you, God. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We welcome you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen. If y'all want to high-five somebody on your way to your seat, high-five, peace out, somebody. Well, don't peace out yet. Peace out later. All right, I'm going to make y'all move. Can I make y'all move? Can y'all come here? Can everybody come here? I'm sorry. I know. I think most everybody showers in here and brushes their teeth, so I think everybody's good by sitting with somebody. Linda had a whole row to herself. And I don't know why y'all scared to sit in the front. Don't be scared. (laughs) True, you know, man. (laughs) I may be a little loud, not too much, but... Oh, God, it's good, it's good, it's good to be with you guys here tonight. Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I kind of struggle a little bit when I'm preparing for messages because I'm so used to teaching the kids. And so when I come with adults, it's a little different. Even though we have Bible study, um, I don't know, it's different when you're coming and you're speaking and there's a video. And so, yeah, anyway. But, yeah, I had a little struggle today preparing uh, for the word, but 
it's all good. Hopefully, you guys, I believe you guys will get what God has laid on my heart for you guys tonight. And um, I'm pretty simple when it comes to the Word of God because that's my understanding. Uh, my husband is a lot more complicated. Barry is a lot more complicated. They start talking to me in theological terms, and I'm like, okay, hold up. Can you rewind it back a little bit, and can you explain it to me like a child? Because I don't understand what you're saying. So when I speak, I speak simple because that's how I get it. So hopefully it's not too simple that it'll just go over your head. So um, I've been told I was deep. I don't think I'm deep. I think I'm pretty simple, but I guess I'm a little biased because it's me, but whatever. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. Guys, I'm stuck in the Old Testament. I'm in the New Testament too, but I love the Old Testament. They have stories, and stories are easy for me to understand. So Exodus chapter 12, verse 21 through 23, or 21 through 24, actually. And while you're looking at that, go to Hebrews 13, 8. Hebrews 13, 8. The title of this message tonight is There's Power in the Blood. Now, I know it's not Easter. You know, we're not talking about necessarily the resurrection of Jesus, but this is such a really, really neat word that I feel that God has laid on my heart, but super simple. Um, Exodus 12, verse 21 through 23 says, Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to, the, to them, Go pick out a lamb of young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into the basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of the door frames of your house, and no one may go out through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians, but when he sees the blood on the top of and, and sides of the door frame, he will not permit, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Remember, these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. Forever. I don't know what movie that was, but Sandlot, forever. Yes, <laughs> the Sandlot. Okay. So, in Hebrews 13.8, Hebrews 13.8 says, guess what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? So that means God's word does not change. That means God does not change. It doesn't matter how long we've been on this earth. God's word will not change. So does that mean that the Old Testament applies to us just as well as it did them back then? Yes. Why? Because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. The same thing that they were doing back then is the same thing that we're doing now. If we think, oh, that's old-fashioned, well, just look a little deeper for a little bit, and you will see that they are no different than we, than we are now. So it's funny that um, we're going to be going 
little back and forth, Old Testament and New Testament, it's okay because they mirror each other. The Old Testament confirms the new, the new confirms the old. So we're going to be going back and forth a little bit. But pastor, I thought it was funny that pastor spoke Sunday about um, the price of power. And um, he was talking about and helping us to understand in order to live this Christian life successfully, um, God has equipped us with everything that we need in order to overcome. However, if we don't do our part, then we are powerless and we are defeated, okay? So tonight, I just want to talk a little bit about where that power comes from, okay? Yes, we have to do our part, but where does this power come from anyway? So not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, I was teaching in Children's Church, and um, God spoke to me while I was uh, preaching. He spoke to me while I was teaching in children's church. He's like, this is what I want you to talk about. I was like, God, in the middle of while I'm teaching, I, I think I'm going to forget that. Can you remind me of w what you said? And I went back to Noe as a point of reference, and I said, I think God just spoke to me what he wanted me to speak about. And so we're going to talk about where this exemplary power comes from, and we're going to reference it through the Old Testament. Now, you guys get to be in children's church for a little bit tonight, so you get to answer some questions, okay? Okay, if you don't know the correct answer, don't yell it out so you won't be embarrassed because you're wrong. Um, so the children of Israel, okay? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the children of Israel, okay? So the children of Israel were in the land of Egypt for how long? Mr. Larry, you are on it, yes. 430. Now, there has been some speculations, like 215 or something like that. But I know it was over 400 years that they were in the land of Egypt. Now, they became slaves because Pharaoh said, you know what? They are multiplying like roaches. And if we don't do something about this, they are going to overtake us. The Bible didn't say roaches, but, you know, you get the idea. So, he said, we've got to do something about this problem. Now, it wasn't that the Israelites did anything wrong. Pharaoh was threatened that the Israelites would come and take his power, would come and take his place. So he said, we've got to do something about this. So he enslaves them, beats them, takes away their land, takes away all their stuff. And then after 400 and something years, God says, okay, I've heard the cry of my people. Now time to put a stop to this. So God raises up a deliverer, and that deliverer's name was, y'all better shut it out like you know it. Yes. So God raises up Moses. But the funny thing about Moses is Moses was an Israelite that was raised up as an Egyptian. Now, in his bloodline, he was 100% Israelite, but he was raised from a baby as an Egyptian. Okay. He was raised in an environment where he didn't, he didn't really even know who he was. He didn't know who he was born to be. In John 17, 16, and you guys can write these down. You don't have to. I'll tell you when I want you to turn to something. In John 17, 16, I was reminded of this scripture when I was going through this. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. There's another translation that says they are in this world, but they are not of it. 
So Moses was raised in an Egyptian land, but he was not an Egyptian, okay? He was in their world, but he wasn't technically of their world. Now think about us as Christians for a minute. God has called us to be in this world, but not of this world. But some of us were walking around like undercover Israelites living in the Egyptian land. <laughs> we're walking around not understanding that we are Christians, just like Moses was. He didn't know that he was an Israelite. The only difference between Moses is Moses was actually raised that way. He didn't know no better. But for us, many of us, we have confessed Jesus as our Lord. We have cried out to him to forgive us. We have said the prayers. We have come to church. We play the part. We say the things. And yet we still don't know who we are. We still don't know where we come from. Can you imagine the shock of Moses when he found out who his mother was. How many of y'all have actually seen the Prince of Egypt? Just a few of y'all? Okay, I was finna say. Okay, guys, that movie literally transformed my life. I was not saved and I was in college and I was playing basketball and we went on a trip out of town and we had some free time and coach says, y'all can go do whatever you want for so many hours. And I had wanted to go watch the Prince of Egypt. It was a cartoon and my teammates were like, you're gonna go watch cartoons? I was like, don't judge me, I like cartoons. And so I was the only one that went to go watch the Prince of Egypt. And I walked out and there was a light that was shining around me because I was like, I didn't know. I'd never seen it in that way. And I kid you not, from that moment, God began to work on my heart towards salvation, watching that movie. Can you imagine Moses' surprise when he hears, you're not, that's not your dad. Your mother's name was Yoheved. You're my brother. His sister had told him. And everything that he ever knew became a lie. So before, back up just a little bit, before he found this out in the movie, I'm referencing the movie, go watch the movie. So Moses had killed a man. He did the unthinkable. He got mad. He got angry. He saw one of the Hebrew slaves getting beat, and he killed a man. And then he ran. He ran from everything that he knew to be true, to be real, and for the next 40 years, 40 years, God began to transform his life and move him into the area of ministry that he had called him to from a baby. See, God saved him with a purpose when he was a baby, and look how long it took for God to raise him up to the deliverer that he had called him to be. 40 years, he was away, and then God began to speak to him and God began to speak to him in miraculous ways now before Moses could walk into what God had destined for him God had to show himself to Moses in a way that Moses had never seen him before not only that God had to show the people once again who I am because they were slaves they didn't know what God looked like anymore they were in bondage now, 1 Corinthians 14 through 12, ref, uh, 14, 
chapter 14, verse 12, references this. Now, how many of y'all know what miraculous signs and wonders are for? The fivefold ministry. How many of y'all know what it's for? If you know what it is, call it out. Tell me. Somebody said it. Who said it? For the perfecting of the saint. There's signs and wonders, gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing. All of that stuff, guys, those miracles. Somebody was up here in a wheelchair right now, and we laid hands on them and prayed for them, and they got up and they walked. That's a miracle. That's a sign of this wonder. Would you believe that there was a God? When you see miracles, signs, and wonders, that was the same way back then. God had to show himself to these people in miraculous signs. So then come the plagues. There's 10 plagues. You got one minute. Let's see how y'all are on it. Name me 10 plagues. Go. Frogs. Locust. Rivers turns to blood. Huh? Boils. Ugh. Firstborn died. They got five, five to go. Gnats, darkness. Hail. Tell me again. Oh, we got frogs. Somebody. All the animals die. There's one more. Everybody forgets this one. And it's so disgusting. We all hate them. Flies. There were gnats and flies. Okay? There was gnats and then flies came after. Like as if gnats weren't bad enough. Yeah. And then flies came. Yeah. Disgusting. So, good job. Y'all are good. Good job. We'll give you candy afterwards. All right. So, you got all of these plagues. But the plague that I want to focus on is the last one. The death of the firstborn. Exodus 11, chapter 4 through 7 says, Moses had announced to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, at midnight tonight, I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to, his, to the oldest son of the lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has ever heard before or will ever hear again. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that there won't even be a dog that barks. Then you will know that the Lord has made a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Why was God doing this? Why was God doing all of this? Why did he kill the firstborn of all the livestock, of all the people of, in, in Egypt? Who knows? Dancing. This one's a little tricky. If you answer wrong, you don't get candy. That's what I tell the kids. So I make them think. They're like, I need this candy. <laughs> decided to resort to kill the firstborn? No, but that's a good answer. You don't get candy. <laughs> it is a good answer, though. I know, I'm going to mess y'all up. Anyway, um, God says, all right, Pharaoh, 
You want to enslave my firstborn? Israel is my firstborn. You want to enslave my firstborn? I'm going to show you how powerful I am. I'm going to take your firstborn. I'm going to take the thing that you hold dear to you, from you, because you have taken my people away from me. I asked you to let my people go so that they could come and worship me, but you wouldn't let them go. So, okay, you won't let them go. I'll take from you. So, God gave specific instructions that night of what the people were to do. Put the door, uh, put the uh, blood, hyssop branches. He also gave them instructions. He said, you need to dress this way. You need to be fully dressed. Don't keep any of the meat until the next day. Don't boil that meat in water because boiling meat is just nasty anyway. And don't keep any left over for the next day. Don't do any of that stuff. I'm going to give you specific instructions, and I need you to follow them, okay? And then afterwards, I need you to cover your doorpost with the blood to avoid any disaster. Exodus 12, 5 through 7 says, the animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening, until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. There are they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the door, top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. And then chapter 12, verse 13, last one. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, the blood of the lamb. Guys, sometimes we get so mixed up. We get so wrapped up in the do's of, and don'ts of Christianity that we miss and we forget about the miracle working power of the blood. I gotta pray, I gotta read, I gotta fast, I gotta share. Don't get me wrong, we need to do the five. But the five is just a reflection of our love and our devotion to him. Okay, it's not a list of do's and don'ts that will make you better. It is an outpouring of the love that he has shown us and the love that we have for him. Now, think about the blood for a second. If my blood is drained out of me, I have no life. The life force of humans, is, or humans, animals, or anything is in the blood. All diseases, all sickness, your DNA, your code for who you are. You got red hair, you got blue eyes, you got this, you got that. Everything that is coded about you is in the blood. Your blood holds your immunity, your ability to fight off diseases and sicknesses. Without blood, there is no life. No life. We forget about how powerful the blood is. But think about your blood for a second. You lose some blood, you're going to feel weak. But we get so wrapped up in all of our little list of do's and don'ts that we forget about the power that's in the blood. Now I want you to think for a minute when you have a relationship with someone. Um, this is believers class. So for a minute, think about a husband and a wife. When they consummate their marriage, there is a blood exchange. And the two become one. 
And that relationship becomes a covenant that is formed between man and wife. After that, think about, for a minute, women. Think about having the most influential man that is loaded. And he's cute, too. And he works out. Okay, he works out. He's cute. He works out. He's the most influential man. He has money. He has power. He has influence. And guess what? You cute and you on his arm. And he walks in a room. And people know who he is. And they look at him and they say, oh, that's money bags right there. Part the way. Let him through. And you right there on his arm, like, "Mm mm-hmm, y'all better move. Yes, this is my man. Or men, think for a minute. Think about the most beautiful woman that you could ever imagine. Honey, that's me. That's me. Think about walking into a room with me. I mean, because you, you my most influential man, so I'm, I'm that girl. Uh, so think about walking into a room with the most beautiful girl, and when she walks in, it, there's a glow about her. And men and women alike just like, oh, my gosh, she is so pretty. Why is she so pretty? Her skin is so flawless, and she's kind, and she's loving, and she's encouraging, and she nurtures you, and she looks out for you. She's got your back. Now, you think about that perfect person that you're with, and you don't want to do nothing but be with them because that's who they are. There's a light that shines about them, and you're attracted to them, and so is everybody else. See, when we look at our relationship with Christ, our relationship with Christ should be the same way. We should look forward to spending time with him. We should look forward to being hooked on his arm. Yep, I'm a Christian. Yep, world, look at me. My God has money. My dad has money. My this, my that. We should be excited to be able to be in his presence and to spend time with him. Now, it's not a duty. It's a delight. Now, when people have power like that, we're drawn to that power. Everybody's drawn to power. Everybody's drawn to money. The Israelites got to see this power firsthand with the ten plagues and when God delivered them, okay? They got to see the power of the blood of a lamb. Not the lamb, a lamb, okay? This blood had the power to turn death away. Now think about the blood of a lamb. Think about how much more powerful the blood of the lamb the blood of Jesus. That was just an animal. We're talking about God in the flesh. Think about how powerful the blood of Jesus is. You're talking about the power of a God. And that God comes to live inside of us. But we got to tap into that blood. We forget whose blood is flowing through us. We forget how to tap into that blood. Now, the children of Israel contained the right DNA. They were connected to the Father because of the, fl- the blood that flowed through their bre- uh, veins. Yet years of slavery ripped that away from them. I'm getting ready to close. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, I got three more scripture verses and then I'm close. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. 
In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. God delivered the Israelites by the blood of the Lamb. He delivered us by the blood of the Lamb. He's still delivering today by the blood of the Lamb. We got to tap into that DNA. But I want you guys to know that God is very much aware of everything that's going on. God knew what Pharaoh was going to do. God knew he was not going to let his people go. He said, I'm going to show him who I am. I am. That's who I am. I'm fishing to show him. God knows everything that's going on now. Everything. He knows what's happening. He knows what's going to happen. So just like God sent Moses to tell the people how to protect themselves, put that blood over your door. It'll protect you. He's telling us the same thing. God gave us a supernatural blood transfusion, a DNA. The blood is not around us. The blood is in us. It is in us. So what do we have to do to tap into that blood? 1 Peter 1, 13 through through 20, and I'm going to close. This is real simple. I said all of that to say this one simple thing. This is what 1 Peter says. This is how we tap into that power. This is how we learn to recognize that power. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Guys, Jesus is about to be revealed to the world in a way that even we haven't seen. So you must live as God's obedient children. The key to tapping in is to obey. See, God gave specific instructions for them to do, and they had to obey it. Otherwise, death would not pass away from them. We want to be protected. We need to obey. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. You didn't know no better, just like Moses. He didn't know no better. But now you must live, you must be holy in everything you do. Not a little bit of what you do, everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He ain't got no favorites. Ain't none of us no better than the rest of us. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. Fear the Lord. Obey his commands. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. How many of y'all's life was empty before you came to Jesus? That's what we got from our ancestors. But God gave Jesus as a ransom to save us from that empty life. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. But it was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Everybody stand up.
God desires to reveal himself to us in these last days so that his power, the true power that lies in the blood, the blood of the God of the universe that flows inside of us, how privileged we are to be engrafted into the family of God. We're reading a book right now and it's such a powerful book. It says, what people don't understand is that it's not the branches where the life is. You see fruit on branches, but the life force is not in the branch. It's in the tree. It's in the tree of life. And when that branch is connected to the tree and all the sap is flowing in the tree, then the branch produces fruit. Then and only then when it is connected does it produce life? Some of you guys have been disconnected. You have been di disconnected from the life-giving force of Jesus. And God is calling you back and says, look, tap in. Tap in to the blood of Jesus. You're not a branch that has been cut off and thrown into the fire. You have been engrafted partake into the life that God has given us so that we could produce much fruit. And what is fruit for? To eat, to nourish people so that they can live. There's so many people out there who need this. But if we're not connected, we can't feed anybody. And that's, that's what we're here for, right? We, we are made by God for God for his purposes, not ours. God has called each and every one of us. And pastor, he said the other day, he said, imagine if all of us in here would bring one person, one person. Connect. Connect with him. Tap into that life, not just for you, but for all those that God wants you to feed. Father, forgive us tonight for we, where we have been disconnected from your presence. Forgive us for where we have not tapped in to the blood, the precious, the precious, spotless, blameless blood of Jesus. Forgive us, God, for where we have gone on and did our own thing and just forgot about you, forgot about the power that truly lies in us. God, remind us like you reminded the children of Israel Remind us who we are. Remind us like you reminded Moses. Call us out from our sleep and our slumber, God, so that we could be used for your glory, for your goodness, for your works. God, as we get in your presence, as we come to prayer on Sunday night, as we fast and pray during the week, God, I pray for revival to sweep forth into this church and it will overflow into our communities, into our homes, God, into the nations of the world. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, God. In Jesus, Jesus' mighty name, everybody just take 30 seconds. Pray and ask God for forgiveness. 
And then ask God to show you what it is that he's called you to do. And purpose in your heart to obey him. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.